Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas change the world. How do you get a great idea? How do you vet that idea appropriately? And how do you launch it? How do you execute that idea so it actually becomes something tangible, something of value? Well, I, I found a, a gentleman that I think can answer a number of those questions. You'll learn a little bit about him, his company today, but more importantly, how he thinks, because how he thinks might be the secret, might be the juice that'll make you successful. I'd like to introduce you to Fred Carey, CEO of IdeaPros. Fred, great having you on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, I, I, tell us a little bit about uh, Fred Carey, first of all. Yeah, um, happy to. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a 30-year-plus career in entrepreneurship, uh, started 10 different companies from paper napkin idea. I, I think this part of what's going to be relevant for this discussion today, because uh, when you start, um, there are all sorts of things you have to consider. Um, of those companies, uh, two of them uh, ended up going public. Um, another one recently went public. I have another private company that's doing over $700 million a year now. And uh, all of those really started just from my thought process. Uh, I started IdeaPros a few years ago to kind of give back, to encapsulate the things that I found were winning and the things that I unfortunately found out were losing propositions. And we created this infrastructure to be able to partner with entrepreneurs and give them an unfair advantage really to walk through this process from, from concept to nationwide launch. Um, that's been the, the thing that's really driven me lately. I'm working harder than I ever have in my life, but I'm also more blessed every single day because I'm helping to change lives of, of people who really wanna change the world or, or at least their world. Well, and that seems to fit the next question is, if I were to uh, take in an idea, that's one thing. But first of all, this person in front of me with the idea, what's your sense of that person? That, uh, that What are the ingredients, the successful ingredients of that person you're looking for to see if they can be a successful entrepreneur? Um. You know, that's a really good question, and um, I wish there was a real easy answer to it, but uh, let me say this about it. <clears throat> Number one, 500,000 new entrepreneurs in America every month. So what does that mean? That means everybody has an idea. How do you take that idea and go from being a dreamer to being a doer? That's the hard part. And if you can think of entrepreneurship, you know, if you go back to the times of uh, uh, the Rome Coliseum, uh, the incredible events that they uh, had there, there was so much process, there was so much infrastructure, there was so much control to make all those systems work. But on top of that, there was the immediate possibility of death. And that's what entrepreneurship is, is, is like. You, know, you, you, you have to have somebody that understands the fact that you need to build process, you need to have controls, you need to be myopically focused on your goals 
at the same time understanding that a lion or a gladiator may come out of any corner and completely disrupt your, your life. So the very first thing I look for is people with resilience, people who can run into a brick wall and instead of turning around, back up and run into it harder the next time because they're sure they're doing something wrong and it's not the brick wall's fault. Um, and those are the types of things that begin to separate somebody who has the potential of being a real entrepreneur. You know, I say, if you're an entrepreneur, all of us have two things in common. One, we're crazy and two, we're failures. And we're failures because it's almost impossible to get everything right the first time around. And if you're not willing to put up with pivoting and changing things and, and, and putting up with the Rome Coliseum uh, aspects of entrepreneurship, then you're not gonna make it. And the other part, we're crazy. How are we crazy? Why are we crazy? Well, we're crazy because everybody tells us we are. Our, our wife or our husband, our family, our moms, our dads, the, our coworkers at work, they all say that we're insane for leaving this cushy job that we have and going on this new adventure, going on this brand new journey that in some cases we know nothing about what's ahead of us. So, so the very first thing that I look for is somebody who I believe has that capacity, who, who is saying, hey, this is not just an idea anymore. I am not gonna feel complete unless I try this. Win or lose, I gotta do this. That's the very first thing you have, have to have. Not just go back to bed, take a nap, and go back to your job the next day. So uh, many times you run into people who think they're entrepreneurs, but they're really sitting in a rowboat tied to the dock and they want to maybe string that line out as far as they can do without releasing it from the dock. You want them to cut the cord. Oh yeah. I mean, that. You, again, you have to be nuts to be an entrepreneur. All right. Because it's really only the crazy people that change the world. Uh, if you are so hung up on protecting yourself as you go through that journey, you're never going to make it through that journey because you have to leap off of buildings. You have to, as you said, cut, cut the anchor uh, and go on this journey wherever it takes you. And if you don't have the fortitude to do that and to face failure and start treating failure as a benefit because it's teaching you that you're doing something wrong and now, oh, what did I learn? Let me go this way instead of this other way. If you're not willing to embrace all those things as the natural consequences of your journey to successful entrepreneurship, you're never going to be an entrepreneur. So now we get to maybe some secret sauce of idea pros, because one, you not only, you're going to put a lot of money into the idea. You're going to put a lot of resources into the idea before you ever see it pay off. So you've got to select very judiciously uh, who you're going to partner with. Now, you got to get a measure of the man or woman in front of you, just like you said. How crazy are they? How persistent are they? How headstrong are they? And um, you say something on your website really interesting. Do they really want to be legendary? Tell me about why you came up with that term. They want to be legendary. You know, I thought about that long and hard. And we were trying to distill what it is that somebody that comes in partners with me really wants. 
and a lot of times on that crazy part, right? Uh, the wife or husband or friends have been telling them, this is stupid. Uh, what are you doing? Don't go there. And what the biggest thing they immediately get partnering with me is validation. Like somebody believes in me, right? And so if I believe in somebody and I, with every one of our partners, I take a minority equity piece uh, of the deal. And if they're working with me, it still costs a lot of money, but it costs them maybe 25% of what it would cost to do themselves. And the worst thing I hear over and over again from people is, you know, this is a hundred million, a hundred billion dollar marketplace. And if I capture 1% of it, we're going to be filthy rich. Uh, nobody makes money getting a tiny little corner of a big place. What I want to create is people who are, want to disrupt the market, who want to go take significant market share, who want to turn that sector upside down. And that's why I only want people that want to be legendary. You know, I want people that want to change their world or change the, the whole world. Uh, and when you, when you shoot for that, then there's a real opportunity to think outside the box, to look at that competitive landscape and not be afraid that somebody else is out there doing it. How do we do it better? How do we take their customers away? How do we make them become irrelevant? If you don't have that kind of thinking, then if you get 1% of the marketplace, it's gonna be by sheer luck and you're gonna lose it within a year because you'll just be stamped out of existence. That's right. And then the next thing your group does is test the idea. You, again, are going to contribute lots of funds and time. Uh, you've got to be careful with your portfolio. How do you know an idea has the possibility of being legendary, highly disruptive, highly differentiated, and uh, provide uh, the company that, uh, uh, that launches that product with an unfair competitive advantage? How do you know that? Um. I did, I did a, a show on, on Facebook about six or seven months ago, and the title of the show was What Do Millionaires and Bad Ideas Have in Common? Uh, the reality is it may not be a great idea out of the gate, but if you've identified a sector that has a hole in it, that has a need that's not being met or that needs to be met in a better way, then you're on your way to success. So the very first thing we looked at is what's the space, who's in there, what are the customer needs in that space, how are they not being met, and how can we go in there and capture that and turn those one-star reviews that the, our future competitors have and make them the, the essence of our five-star reviews going forward. So those are the things that I look at more than the actual idea itself. You know, what does this idea address? What's that market size? Is it growing? What are the competitors? Are they weak? Can we exploit it? And can we go in there and dominate that market? Uh, and then if the idea doesn't pan out as we go through the process, we're gonna change it up. We're gonna pivot. A lot of times when something comes in our system, by the time it goes out, it's completely different, but it addresses the same issue. So for me, it's the issue, the size, the competitive landscape, and the growth and customer dissatisfaction are the main factors for me. When you study the transactions of value 
in an ecosystem to be able to really understand, because you're not going to take it just from the uh, up and coming entrepreneur where that weakness is in the competitors or where those one-star reviews, how do you do your market research so you can bring uh, integrity to the, the, the idea? Yeah, um, that's a critical component of it. Uh, one of the things I talk about when I, uh, to our partners when I talk about market research or any of the other aspects of what we do uh, is I say, hey, if you have $3,000, $5,000, you can go out and get your own market research. Uh, but the reality is that's like going out and getting your own x-ray and trying to read it, right? So it's not just what's in front of you, but it's your ability to interpret it analyze it and find the correct solutions from the data that, that you have. So when people partner with me, they're partnering with our brain power, with our 200 years of collective entrepreneurial experience. Um, so we know what to look for in a research report. And, and as you point out, that's critical, right? You have to have this development of what you're gonna be when you grow up before you start building anything. Uh, so, some entrepreneurs are like, research report? What is that? So we do a very broad macro report. You know, what's the total environment out there, including things that you would typically find in the bottom half of a SWOT analysis? You know, what are the opportunities out there? What are the external uh, threats? Even looking at possibility of government intervention in certain areas. We need to establish a really comfortable platform that we can start a, start on. And it really begins with a research report and then with surveying the people that are our target audience before we start building, naming, branding, anything. Steve Jobs once famously said, and I'll be paraphrasing because I don't know exactly how he said it or what context, but famously said he didn't believe in uh, product marketing which uh, is not uh, strategic marketing. Product marketing is going out surveying customers. He said, the last thing I want to do is ask customers what they want. Uh, I'd rather study their behaviors and then understand how to meet the need they haven't been able to articulate. How do you do that? Because I, I got a feeling you've been so successful, so many companies, I got a feeling that's what you do. How do you do that? Yeah, and I think he's uh, absolutely right. Uh, he actually said that when we were having coffee one day. No, I'm completely kidding about that. Part. Um, <laughs> there are certain elements of that that I completely agree with. Um, there are other elements I kind of half agree with. And, and the half agree with part first is the fact that when you're presenting, like, for example, in a consumer survey, when you're presenting things to them, you're kind of trying to get feedback and that feedback may not necessarily be, hey, does this suck or not? Do you want this or not? It, you're just trying to get other data points that you can put uh, into, into the mix. The perfect example of that is I would never depend on consumers to tell me what I should name my product or my app, ever. Uh, if you can imagine the same gentleman you just referenced walking out onto a stage of a thousand people and telling everybody, hey, I'm Steve Jobs and I wanna start this new computer company and I'm competing with IBM and Microsoft and digital equipment and all these other industrial names and I wanna call my new company Apple, what do you think? There would be not one person out of a thousand 
that would say, that's a great idea. Nobody. Same with Virgin Airlines or even Caterpillar, this great, huge earth moving equipment company naming themselves out of this slow, little, tiny, easily crushable bug, right? So, so he's absolutely right that if you create the uh, appropriate imagery and you influence people by making them think and, and creating this perceived value, you're not gonna get that perceived value from the consumer. For example, coffee bean, glass of water, how do you make Starbucks out of that? Right? Why do people go to Starbucks and spend $4 when across the street it's 7-Eleven for 99 cents? There's a cup of coffee three times bigger, probably the same bean. They do it because of the perceived value and the consumer is not going to give you that. The consumer is going to receive that. The other thing too is um, what I found out there, the most successful ideas that become successful companies actually get a bead on a future consumer or customer scorecard. That is, customers make decisions based on a, usually an unseen scorecard that they have in their minds, partly emotional. And that scorecard, getting in front of that scorecard or actually defining it for a marketplace seems to be the recipe for most successful companies. To your point, Starbucks created a whole new star, uh, uh, scorecard for coffee. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you're looking at uh, a consumer demand, a consumer interest, uh, an area of, uh, of need, and you put your own, as you said, scorecard against that to figure out future needs, uh, then, then you can make a big difference, right? Even from uh, the very first automobile, a lot of my future partners like to talk about, you know, I, I don't have any competitors or I don't want any competitors or how do I avoid competitors? Well, the automobile, the competitor was the horse. Uh, and, you know, there's always, and, and the need was transportation. So that future scorecard was, how do I make transportation faster? How do I not have to feed horses? How can I get people to go greater distances so I can serve that future need before people even realize they have it? They're not going to, people were not running out looking for cars. Um, that, that's, a, I think, a perfect example of your scorecard. Okay, we have the measure of an idea or and how to get to its viability. We have the measure of the man, woman, who can be the entrepreneur who will eventually run this. Uh, how do we take it to market? How does idea pros come alongside the entrepreneur to take it to market? Yeah, and any entrepreneur that works with us, we tell them right in, right in the beginning, we're gonna go to market. Uh, and, and so we do, there's two elements of, of what we do. The number one is to take that uh, idea and turn it into a product. And number two is to take that person and turn them into a real entrepreneur. So while we're building, while we're deciding where to go, how do we attack the market? What's our go-to-market strategy? We're also training the individual of what to do, what to expect, because we don't want somebody to go out, launch, and be a one-product company. We want them to have take that entrepreneurial feeling that they have within them, coupled with the training that we give them. So this first product is is one of several. So how do we go through that process? It's 
it's the structural part of the Coliseum, right? All the processes, all the things that you have to do, the order you need to do them in, first you investigate, right? If you don't do that, that first investigation part, I call it the General Custer School of Strategy. You know, how many Indians could there possibly be over that hill? You need to know um, because that may not be a hill you want to go over. So that's the first part of it. And, and then the, the branding, the naming, you know, e even logo, things like that, they're critically important. And the thing that gives me a lot of heartburn is the, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's the heartburn talking, is people that come in with their own logos and their own name and they really want it and they, they haven't thought through it. Uh, and it's so critically important to have that right name. Again, the, 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 the ones like a virgin, like Apple, like Caterpillar, they're, they're kind of negative names, right? And there's no consumer that would name it like that. And they become such powerful brands almost immediately because they're so disruptive, even in the naming and the positioning of the organization. So that is a critical component of it. We don't want our brand new laser toaster to be called my brand new laser toaster. You might want to call it Zippy or something that makes well, Zippy. What is that all about? Right, getting people to think. And so that is a critical component of what we do. Once we get through that process, then depending on whether it's a physical pro product or, or an app, we go through the whole engineering phase. We're designing it. We're testing it. We're looking at the colors. We're looking at the flow of it. We're looking at uh, production engineering, manufacturing, how is, how is the manufacturing going to work? One of the worst things you can do as an entrepreneur is go and get a patent right away, right? Because when you do that, you're getting a patent on something that you don't know you can produce. And if you can't produce it, that patent is not worth anything because under patent law, you have to be able to make it, right? So the, and by the way, nobody's going to steal your idea because nobody knows about it at that point. So Instead, take your idea, go through the process, and that's why it's so important for us. We go through the engineering process to make sure that not only do we have something that's manufacturable, we line up the manufacturer and make sure that's true, but it isn't manufacturable at a price point that that consumer is going to pay for it and that you can make a real healthy profit from it, right? So we establish all those things. Then you can go out and get a patent because you know you can make it. You know it's disruptive. You know you can deliver it at a price point the consumers are going to want, and then you're ready to go to market. So at that point, we put all our marketing efforts uh, together. We provide collateral. We create the website. We look at our initial advertising strategy, and when we're ready to take off, we hit go. And and go maybe something different for each product. For some, go maybe crowdfunding. Uh, for some, go maybe go directly to Amazon store. For some, go maybe strike a licensing deal with a big organization because now you have all the proof that you need, including in the website, start taking email addresses. When you have a product that is ready to be manufactured, that you have 50,000 emails from people that really want it, you can go get yourself a licensing deal, not in the very beginning. And so using those elements, we know that we're going to be able to get every single product idea out to the marketplace. And, and that's literally how we do it. Strategy, 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 all the way through the process. Uh, if I looked at your portfolio today, where 
do most of the uh, companies, the entrepreneurs you're working with, what, what uh, part of the market are most of them in today? Most of your portfolio, are they software applications? What are they? Yeah, we have about half of them, maybe 60% are software now, and the other 40% or so are, are hard goods. Uh, and we're all over the board. If you look at the different sectors we're in on a pie chart, it's 40 different slices in there. Uh, everything from uh, consumer goods to electronics to food and beauty. Uh, and, and we have expert consultants that we work with in every one of those sectors. So when it comes time to launch, we can gently hand somebody off into, into good arms. Uh, and, and as we started this just three and a half years ago, our first products are, are coming out now. And we have, I think, six different products right now that are number one in their category in the world. Uh, and uh, that's what we shoot for. That doesn't mean everybody's going to win. If you look at venture capital, for example, they bet on a lot of really smart people. And maybe one out of 20, one out of 50 actually does something well. And, and, and venture capital is some really sophisticated people. The difference that we have is we don't trust our brand new entrepreneur to just take money and go create their own thing. We want them to come in, let us create it, let them learn while we're doing it for them and with them. So we're sure they're not gonna make any of the same mistakes that every single entrepreneur makes on their journey. Do you ever take a already existing small business that's driving revenue? Yeah, in fact, we're getting more and more of that lately. Uh, one, one gentleman in, in particular that I can think of already has a $10 million business. Uh, and he almost immediately started calling me his mentor uh, because of the, the mindset, the way that you have to dig through the clutter to keep your eye on the ball and, um, and have your head in the game is something that really is a learned behavior. Otherwise, we go off in a bunch of different directions. You know, this is the game. I have the ball. That's the end zone. How do I get there? And everybody coming at you are all the obstacles that you're going to face. And so in his business, he came in. Not only are we building something really disruptive uh, based on the core of what he already has in existence, he got the strength, the fortitude, the belief in himself during this process to go out and take on another competitor. And now he's a $20 million business. And he wrote to me recently that if I did nothing more with our relationship, just you giving me the mental power and belief in myself to be able to accomplish this is really something I can never be grateful enough for. Uh, and by the way, that same guy, before we entered into a partnership, brought his financial advisor in to see whether or not the deal made sense for him. Uh, I negotiated a price point with, with the partner and the financial advisor offered my partner $100,000 more than the partner put into the deal for 20% of the company. So uh, he's already made $100,000 and we haven't even started. Uh, so there's um, a lot of really cool stories there. And, and we have several now that are coming in. They have a product, you know, you can get to that million dollar mark, $2 million mark. And it's really hard to go from there and start capturing significant market share. 
Uh, Fred, uh, you've got a lot of things in the works too, just carrying your heart, your mind, and your experience uh, into uh, the marketplace. Um, where where will we be seeing you next? Are we going to just be able to go to your website and in social media, or are there other avenues where we can learn more about you, your ideas, and your company? Well, we have a whole lot of things going on. Obviously, the company's at ideapros.com. Under the Idea Pros brand and Facebook, I do a weekly show every Friday at noon Pacific. Addressing, it's about a half hour show. It addresses all the different elements that an entrepreneur needs to consider from how to raise money, you know, what, what type of partner do I bring in, how to do engineering, what do I look for in software. Literally, every show is a different element. So I do that every Friday. I also have um, official Fred Carey on uh, Instagram, and that show is really based on the core foundation that you need to have a good business and to have a good life. Uh, and, and that is teaching you uh, to have a positive attitude, to have the correct mindset, to uh, be able to have a different perspective on how bad things come to you. There's so many people that blame the world when instead, if you can take those things and realize that, hey, life sucks, life is hard, you know, and, and everybody has hard things in their lives. You need to be able to take those things, treat them positively, because otherwise you're in this quicksand of blame rather than building this foundation of growth. So I started that last June. We have 360,000 followers already. Uh, I also, with my partner, started uh, Mentor and Muse on TikTok. It's kind of a lighter version of the same thing. Um, and we started that about two and a half weeks ago. We already have over 22,000 followers uh, on that. But on top of that, I'm writing a book on purpose-driven entrepreneurship that is going to be out in the next two, three months. I've done a whole series of courses on the same subject that's going to probably be out in six months. Uh, and we're negotiating right now with, with Netflix uh, about a reality show. So I'll be everywhere. Unfortunately, that means I don't get to sleep much. This has been a great conversation with an incredible mindset and an incredible heart uh, for service to the entrepreneurs of the world, the people who fuel our planet with ideas that shape our world. And I can't thank you enough, Fred Carey. Well, I really appreciate it. Let me leave your audience with this. Um, we have a very short period of time in this world. And every day that you're not doing what you really wanna be doing is a day that you're never gonna get back. So you need to step up to the plate Take your life under control. Do what you were meant to do and don't let anybody talk you out of it. And that's why this is a great conversation.